Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool, for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by fellow directors Claire Trott and Tony Wickenden to discuss last week's fiscal event. So we're going to record this on the 28th of September 2002, just to date stamp this conversation in case there's any changes. So thank you for joining us today, Tony and Claire. Claire, how are you today? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Although I've been spending a lot of the day just keeping one ear on the news, waiting for things to happen, but nothing yet. And, uh, and Tony, how are you? Yeah, I've been trying to keep away from the news because it just depresses me. And then, you know, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm you're, you're bound to mention this, so I'll get it out of the way. And I'm obviously very nervous ahead of the North London derby this weekend. You know, I, I, have to say it. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't remember the Chancellor mentioning that, although Keir Starmer, I think, did in his Keir interview Starmer this would. morning. Yeah. So uh, it's obviously more important to Keir Starmer. Of course. Um, so uh, we've had the fiscal event. It absolutely wasn't a budget. Um, uh, but, w- but what we know is obviously its impact is uh, quite profound. Uh, we were up all night at Technical Connection uh, drinking Red Bull and eating pizzas um, and produced our 45-page uh, analysis. Uh, and that's obviously available to anyone that wants to, uh, to get it through TechLink, and uh, we have the free trial on there uh, to make it easy for you to access it. But, um, but Tony, um, perhaps we'll start with, with you, if we may. Uh, what do you think were the main changes, uh, in your opinion, that are really relevant to financial planners? Yeah, thanks for, for asking. Quite a few, actually, more than you think at first sight. And it's often the case with non, non-budgets. non No, this is the first non-budget growth event. Obviously, the big question mark over it will whether it will lead to growth, but we'll leave that for another podcast. Um, so the main changes, many of them were sort of pre-flagged, weren't they? And those that weren't explicitly flagged by the Prime Minister in her when she was seeking election to be head of the Conservative Party, then they came through with very well trailed and and ended up being actually definitely delivered um, rumours. So what we had was the big ones, I think, the removal of the additional rate tax from next year. Most of these things are from next year, which we didn't have well trailed, but some of the newspapers were saying it might happen. The bringing forward of that 19% basic rate of tax from 2024 to 2023. So again, another one that hits on the 6th of April, 2023. Then the national insurance change, of course, which was very well trailed and was the sort of centerpiece, one of the centerpieces on tax, at least of Liz Truss's campaign. So the removal of that um, class one employers, employees, 1.25 extra, which only came in effectively this year, that's going, although the thresholds remain the same and the class four, one and a quarter percent. Then the thing that wasn't expected, the one and a quarter percent dividend tax increase, as it were, that's being removed as well. So it's all quite significant. Lots of the moving parts in decision-making will be changing. The corporation tax increase that we were going to get, now we aren't going to get. Everyone knew that was coming. Then some extra bits, which started to be well-trailed through the news, was that stamp duty land tax cut, especially the increase in the nil rate ban. It feels like stop going on. But there was so much, actually, wasn't there, in, in the announcements. The tax incentives 
think were also important. So I think we'll, we'll definitely need to factor those into conversations. You might think, oh, investment zones, they are not really relevant to me. They are because clients will be interested in them. And those are as old or long in the teeth, old and long in the teeth as, as me. Remember the excitement that was generated around enterprise zones uh, and clients will know about them. So you need to factor them into their, your consideration. So those, I think, probably for me were the the main changes that we'll need to think about when advising clients on investments and running your business. So it feels like um, feels like we're going to fill up more than one or two slides in a in a presentation with all of that. Um, you know, a hundred slides, basically. <laughs> but I, but I, but I noticed, Tony, you you didn't really talk about pensions, so it's incredibly lucky. We have Claire with us uh, on, uh, on this podcast. So, so Claire, in, in your view, what what should we be thinking about in terms of the, the changes to pensions? Well, there wasn't really much mentioned about pensions in the actual statement. We did have a few things that came in a couple of days before where they're saying they're going to review the NHS pension scheme. So that's quite an interesting one, time to come. So we'll we'll be looking at that and waiting for the detail on that. And then there's been lots of speculation surrounding that as well. So no detail, nothing to sort of report back hugely at the moment. Lots of very short statements on that. There was also a statement about the pensions charge cap, which come in on auto-enrolment schemes and occupational schemes. So that's really only of interest to those people who are running those occupational pension schemes. But it gives them the ability to charge more for certain types of funds rather than having the charge cap. It isn't new necessarily. Again, it's something that's been brought forward to try and encourage investment in certain areas so you know, there, there's going to again, again, there, there's been consultations uh, and there'll be more detail on that. Um, and whether or not it's used is another matter entirely. However, as we know, there's lots of things uh, in the world of pensions that are impacted by all the things Tony's talked about. So we'll get into that in a little bit more detail as we go through. Thanks, Claire. And, um, and Tony, if we sort of dig a little bit deeper into some of those bits that you highlighted, um, so if, if from an investor's point of view, what, what, what do you think the implications are? Yeah. I think for individual investors, I don't think the sort of fundamentals will have changed very at all, I think, by virtue of these changes. The fundamentals of decision making, the choices that exist will remain. But the, the nuances and the numbers and the way the nuances apply to each individual, I think, will need some thinking about. So I think the conclusions you'll reach will be largely, in terms of choices, the conclusions you would have reached had you not had these changes. But the, the extent to which you choose one over the other will definitely change. We need to be very accurate and certain about the numbers. So, you know, the big changes, I think, that affect investors. And let's, let's, be, um, let's be sort of reassured and grateful for the fact there appears to be capital gains tax and inheritance tax stability. So on the capital side... Okay, for now, of course, but that that basic rate reduction from next year, the additional rate cancellation from next year, and that dividend tax increase uh, cancellation from next year are the things that we need to factor into account. By the way, that I mentioned national insurance, of course, that uh, my earlier piece that kicks in from the sixth of November, which I think most people know by now. so the two things that emerge from that for me anyway, are one is the potential for sort of so-called arbitrage in terms of timing. When you think about the tax rates, you go, OK, they're that now and they'll be that in the future. What does that imply? You think, well, it's, it's relevant for 
income taxable events, not capital gains taxable events, the changes that that is. So if you think if the rate of basic rate tax is 20% now and it's 19% next year, if you're going to trigger an income tax liability on something that you do, would it be better to do that this year or next year? And you go, well, it's only 1%, but yeah, it would be better to do it next year because it will be lower. For example, you know, on an investment bond, not an onshore bond, but an offshore bond, you go, actually, if I'm a basic rate taxpayer, I only pay 19% next year. I won't pay... If I'm a basic rate taxpayer with my bond gains with the non-shore bond, I won't pay anything. So it doesn't really matter to me. Um, if I'm a higher rate taxpayer, oh, that's not changing either, is it? But it sort of is with bond calculations. It's one of those small things. You think, actually, it would be worth thinking about making your encashment from a pure tax standpoint. I mean, the big driver on whether you encash something or not is going to be valuation, commercials, are you doing well? Are you doing not? Is it a good time to get out? You know, all of that, the frictional cost if you want to get out and get back in. But leaving all that aside and concentrating purely on tax, then let's not forget if the basic rate tax goes down, not if, when it goes down to 19% next year, then the difference that you pay if you're a higher rate taxpayer on your chargeable gain will be the difference between higher rate and basic rate. And that will be 21% next year, not 20 this year. So that's a little thing to think about. So I said, I don't think it will drive people to immediately go and cash their bonds in. As there are all sorts of other factors, of course, more important factors. But that's just something that comes out of that. And, and then you've got the other side of things. When you look at next year, the additional rate going, if you're an additional rate taxpayer now and you were thinking of cashing your investment bond in anyway, then you would be mad from a tax standpoint, stress from a tax standpoint to do it this year because wait till next year and you won't have that additional rate and your rate will go down from what would have been 25% in this year on your onshore bond or 45% in your offshore bond to 21% next year, assuming you'll be a higher rate taxpayer next year. So that, you know, all of that, the timing of all this stuff makes, it, it is really important to take that into account if you're worried about doing as good as you can with your tax planning, effectively. And the other small point to come out of this, if you're looking at tax deferment through an investment bond. I know I've been a bit bond overweight in bond comments here, but that that rate of tax suffered by UK life funds on policyholder funds is linked to the basic rate of tax, not to the corporation tax rate. So from next year, the amount that the fund suffers on your behalf on non-dividend income, because dividends are completely tax-free in your onshore bond, there's no tax in offshore bonds generally, will drop to 19%. So although your outcome, your gain that you take out, if you're a high rate taxpayer, will be taxed at a 21% rate, along the way, you'd have been only been hit by 19% on your non-dividend income. What does that mean? Depends on each particular case, I think, really. I think the decision-making between collectives and investments, whilst the numbers have changed, you'll probably come to the same conclusions as you would now, all other things being equal. And the same with onshore or offshore bonds. And, and I would just underpin all of that with the statement that, you know, every case will depend on its own facts. And that's why advice is so important. No, no client's going to come to you wanting you to tell you explicitly to factor all of those in when making your choices. They just don't know. But it's your job to know and to do the numbers and to be able to corroborate your recommendation with the facts, you know, based on the latest information that you have. I think really um, the last thing I'll say at the very end is that but the tax pain for additional rate taxpayers will diminish next year. They'll still have tax pain because they'll be high rate taxpayers. So the incentive to do something about that pain will diminish a bit. So that's not a great message for tax planning, but it's a fact. And I think, you know, if you've been pressed to 
defer tax because of additional rate tax through a bond, maybe you might be less, you know, you're just less incentivized to do it, but it could still make sense. You see, that's the point I was trying to make about the fundamentals probably won't change, but the nuances do. Hopefully that's been a little bit helpful. I think the, the, there's a couple of bits in there for me. Um, obviously, the one that capital gains tax, you, you made the point at the very beginning, capital gains tax, you know, there's still an advantage in capital orientated investments. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't changed, although the gap, as you say, has got slightly yeah, smaller. Yeah. The other bit, I suppose, is is the uh, the fact that the Office of Tax Simplification is going to be disbanded is really interesting and whether they really do bring tax simplification in-house, as, as, as the Chancellor said, and that will be interesting, or will it just be forgotten um, and lost in the government mm-hmm. departments? So, so, so that, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. Well, it's one of those. We'll just. It's one of those easy comments. Well, we'll just have to see, and of course yeah. we will. Yeah. Interesting to see the International Monetary Fund. I know you've date stamped this. Yeah. They have been very castigating about the changes yeah. uh, and encouraging encouraging the government to actually look at them again. So, do we get? Will we get a U-turn before we get a chance to re-record this? But it was. Um... So, so I was presenting the other day, and uh, I, I, uh, I, it, since since the Conservatives have been in power um, back in back in 2010, there's been six chancellors, um, uh, and three of those chancellors haven't even delivered a budget yet because obviously Friday was not a budget. Um, so, so um, the so, so you know it's it's quite unbelievable. Only, only was it three months ago? We two or two chancellors ago, um, you know, it, 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 it's so much changed it's so quickly, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the coming, the coming weeks and months. Um, Claire, you, um, I got up really early on Saturday to to watch you on Sky News, and uh, I just want to pick up. As Tony talked about national insurance. I just want to pick up on a point that you made about national insurance because because I have not actually heard anyone make this point and 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 do you want to do you want to just sort of go through the ups and downs of national insurance yeah certainly i mean so we saw the announcement where they were going to increase national insurance uh, by the 1.25% back when that came in so that that came in um, in april but what they then did is everyone was up in arms about this because all the low earners were then paying more national insurance. So what they then did is increase the point at which you start paying national insurance to match the uh, personal allowance. So they went up from about, um, I think it was about £9,000, £8,000, £9,000, up to £12,500. Um, and so, but that is one thing that hasn't gone back. So people were getting... They, they, they saw the increase in national insurance. Then we saw it drop back down to the amount that you were paying, in essence, before July, because that's when the drop happened. And now we're removing that 1.25. So they're then actively now getting technically a reduction on the amount that they would have paid last year because they start paying it at a higher uh, amount. So they earn more. But actually, no one's losing any benefits. And I think that's the thing to really be mindful of here. So you still start to accrue benefits when you earn over the 6,000. When I say accrue benefits, you accrue, accrue national insurance credits at that point. But you don't start paying anything until you get to the 12,500. Um, and then we, we obviously say we were seeing it at the um, 13.25% for um, up until uh, the, the 50 odd thousand, um, which is now coming back down to the 12%. So 
So, you know, we, in essence, people will actually be slightly better off. Uh, I think the number they banned around is about £300 that it went up by, and then we're dropping back down by 300 and then 300 again. So actually, you know, we, in essence, we are probably £300 better off than we were when we started the tax year. If when you if you take it as a whole year, obviously it's not a whole year. We've had so many moving parts, but um, it, that that's something that you know people haven't really considered. There's been positives that have been removed or not removed it, 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 to to try and balance it out. So it, it's quite an, an interesting one, and how people will actually see it in their their pay packet. And actually, I think the thing that worries me about the national insurance change is will it happen when it's supposed to happen? Tony said earlier. Um, it's supposed to happen on the 6th of November. Great. Um, I know payroll systems can be a bit of a nightmare. Um, and what the government have said is if you don't get it in November, it will be backdated. So it might not actually come through for some people until January. Um, and, you know, if people are vulnerable and they're really in need of their money now, you know, what we don't want to be doing is messing around with their budgets uh, because the low earners are the ones that really need to budget and need to make sure they know what's coming in. Um, and it, it could be a real up and down of, you know, they, they're not getting the extra, then they get a significant amount in January, then it drops back down to another amount. Um, and it's not like they're going to be there calculating what they're expecting to get like I do. Um, I check my pay slip like it's going out of fashion, and it's uh, but not everybody does that. So people won't be sure of how to plan and how to budget. Uh, and I think that that all this, all this moving around, um, even though it will end up in a positive for some, Will, will actually just be very disruptive to, to people's budgeting, especially over Christmas if, if if they don't get it until after then. Yeah. And um, so the, this national insurance change, are, are there any implications for pension and pension contributions at all with national insurance? Yeah, definitely. When people are actually using salary sacrifice, for example, um, they get some of that money back. So you, what happens with salary sacrifice is what we're doing is we're paying it before we pay income tax. And it comes out and it goes in as an employer contribution. So the employer benefits from not playing in the national insurance and often passes that saving over to the individual. And the individual benefits from not paying national insurance on that particular part. And then that will often go into their pension or just mean that they're actually paying less what people won't see is really anything change with the amount that's going into their pension, because unless they change the amount they're putting in this year, then the amount that's going in will be the amount that's going in on their side of things, uh, because they're not paying 13.25 or they're not paying 12%, so um, or not 2% if they're a, a higher earner. So they're not paying a different amount, but the amount going into the pension will be the same. What might be different is if their employer gives them a percentage of their savings, which doesn't always happen. Some employers just give a fixed uplift, say 10%, for example, and they use the rest of the savings for admin and different things. But for those people who say they give them 90% of their saving, they'll see a little bit of a change yeah. there, um, hopefully. And again, it might be a, a moving thing because it's going to take them a while to sort out their systems and make sure that they're getting the right amount across. Because employers are also getting that 1.25 drop down for the amount that they're, they're, they're paying across the board. And actually, employers pay that on whole salaries. They don't just pay it on um, up to, to a certain amount like um, individuals do, and, and then it drops down for us. So then we might see changes, but we might not. But don't expect suddenly your pension contributions to necessarily go up, even if you do use salary sacrifice, because you, you, you're getting a discount and, and the discount's the same on both. And um, 
So Tony talked about um, behaviours and and the, and the changing of the basic rate and uh, an additional rate tax when you're in cashing bonds. Um, in terms of pension contributions, I've heard you know a number of people have asked around pension contributions and and what should I what should I do? Um, any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, certainly. For, for for our additional rate taxpayers, then this is the last year, and assuming no U-turn, that they will be able to get their 45% tax relief in back. So um, admittedly, as you say, if next year they won't be paying 45%, so it might not be so much of a driver to get their 45% back on a pension contribution. But this is the year to, to be thinking about it. If they are an additional rate taxpayer, especially if you know they, 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 they've got the scope to use carry forward, to bring themselves down, um, to, to reduce the amount of tax they're paying, then taking advantage of that this year uh, will actually give them that little bit more saving and therefore that little bit more into their pension. So I think we will see a spike in pension contributions um, when for, for those people who are in that band. But actually, interestingly, what we haven't seen is any talk about whether or not the phasing the, the personal allowance that you lose between 100,000 and 125,400 mm. or so. I can never get that number out. out. Um, that um, So for every two pounds you earn over that, you lose a pound of your personal allowance. And actually, by making pension contributions, you can you can bring yourself down and you can actually get that as a 60 percent tax band. We haven't seen that go. So I think there will still be a high a driver for people to make pension contributions this year and next year and going forward if that remains. And that's a real so that is a real neat, like nice point to, to get that extra uh, tax relief. So people at that point are paying 60 percent, not 45 or 40 or 20 or 19, 60, which is significant. Um, and so we'll definitely see people trying to to, to still work in, in that area to, to, to get their contributions in. Yeah. Um, so, just thinking about uh, companies, uh, Tony, um, and and obviously there's a lot of uh, business owners at the moment um, who, who who are really thinking about you know how they deal with planning and list looking at the budget. Do you think there's anything in there for business owners that they should be thinking about? I think right now that you know the preoccupations will understandably be elsewhere in terms of you know business rates, energy costs, employment, all that kind of stuff. So that's an absolute given. So going back to my point, that's a really good point. As, a, as an aside, I just wrote that down. Claire's point, remembering saying, "Oh, we're getting rid of the additional rate tax, but we're not getting rid of the sixty percent tax," which is a really, really strong point to remember. Um, so going to the other, so what has changed? Well, the corporation tax rate is staying where it is, so that's staying the same. And the national insurance is going, okay, that's good, uh, the, the increase, that is. Uh, and then we've got that additional rate going. So what does all of that mean, and the basic rate going down to 19%, in terms of one of those things that happens every year, which is how I take my money out of my business. So whilst I think, well, I know that we'll come to the same conclusions, that largely, from pure, purely not on the purely numbers, that taking your money out by way of dividend will almost always be better than salary and leave you with a net and for the amount that's in the business before corporation tax arises and then you take it out in its journey what do you end up with for the same amount being lost by the company uh, and which amount is bigger than it will be the amount by dividend for most people and we'll be doing the detail on this and showing examples in TechLink shortly um, so I think that those numbers will need to be factored in but I think the conclusion that we'll get to will be the same and as I said right now businesses will be more 
preoccupied with keeping going and doing what they need to do. Those that do have money, of course, if they've got money on deposit, then gradually at some point the interest rate on it will be increasing. You know, that point we've been hearing, the one thing about interest rates is better for savers um, and not people with debt. So if companies are getting a bit more you know, money through interest, they might be a bit concerned about tax. And those that are doing well, we have that question that comes up now and again on money that just sits in the business, the implications it has on inheritance tax and CGT, business asset disposal relief, but also can I get an even better return than the interest rates that lag way behind the interest rates you pay on borrowing, of course. And yeah, there is and there always was, and that's the potential to invest in the unit trust or collective with tax-free dividends and tax deferment and all that will continue to remain with us and look look attractive, something that people will need advice on. So point there, I think, is, um, yeah, those changes, those moving parts, Clary you know, has used that term very accurately, and there are many moving parts in a lot of these decisions. Many of them have changed. Corporation tax, income tax, additional rate tax, national insurance need to be factored in. I think the conclusions that will be reached will be largely the same, though. One of the things that I that I picked up, Tony, was um, so we 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 took a, a lot of effort over the last year or so with regards to this IR thirty uh, five contractor changes that came in, and yeah. um, and the Chancellor said something on that now, hasn't he? Yeah, um, and I think it's been misread to some extent. Thinking, oh, the IR thirty five rules have gone, meaning like. It's like the Wild West, effectively, again, you know. But the rules, the fundamentals of your categor- your categorization haven't changed. It's, it's My understanding is those 2017-2019 rules are about the responsibilities for determination, which, of course, thrown heavily on employers after public service employment, employments and then into the private sector, which caused all of the change. And the fundamentals of determining are you an employee, effectively, or are you a self-employed individual, remain just that the responsibility now is thrown back, as it was, on the individual to make the decision, which is, that's the that's the fact. Not that it's suddenly all a lot easier. I think it's for, for a lot, it would be a lot harder because they'll have to do the deciding. Um, that's how I understand it anyway. Um, yeah, so, so I, I think the team is still with us. It feels like it's opaque now, and it feels like mm-hmm. it, will, it, it will be hard for people to make that decision. Um, so, uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see what companies do. Having having done all the effort putting the structure in, will they completely change their mind and reverse it? Yeah, I suspect for a, at least in the short term, I think I don't see anything changing rapidly. I haven't seen anything, but then again, that's purely an anecdotal observation. It has to be really. So um, again, plenty to think about in that corporate SME world, um, but the conclusions I think we'll reach subject to that IR35 and what will actually happen point, um, is something that I think they'll be relatively the same on that dividend salary bit and corporate investment piece. And and, and Claire, in terms of pensions, um, uh, this must be the first time we've done a podcast where you haven't mentioned lifetime allowance and annual allowance. So did he completely leave, leave that alone? Um, well, yes. But there's been a fair amount of leakage going on and, and different people have heard different things. So there, there was some some mention again in the NHS stuff. We've, we've heard that there's, there's chances that there could just be, you know, changes to, to, to the NHS scheme. But we have heard um, a, a few murmurings about um, consultations yet again about the lifetime allowance and the annual allowance. Again, leakage to uh, some of the national press that there will be possible changes 
not saying what they are, um, but um, given the the, the the driver to sort of what appears to be to to remove tax uh, and encourage spending necessarily, then it's um, I, I, you could quite easily see the, the lifetime allowance being lifted and actually would be a real positive um, and, and would make advising clients a lot easier because there's always these decisions about whether or not breaching the lifetime allowance is right, um, whether or not paying the tax should be done now. We try crystal ball gaze to work out what the best thing to do is depending on markets it's really difficult to actually do with the lifetime allowance that is low. And in essence, it is low. It feels high because it's over a million. But actually, when you start factoring in how it's calculated uh, and how much you, if you invest throughout your lifetime, um, could easily breach that. Um, and with it being a frozen allowance, with, with many of the other allowances which are frozen, we hope that not only are the pension allowances reviewed, but but the other allowances, such as the personal allowance, reviewed as well in the next bud or in the budget in his first budget um, when it finally gets here um, in November. So, so, um, and I may have imagined it. So, there's there there is something in November. Was it twenty? Is it twenty third of November? Twenty third of November, and and that's not a budget. And isn't it the spring? The spring event is going to be. The budget, so so I'll have to wait till to March. I'm assuming to to actually deliver a budget. Is that is that right? In all essence, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, believe think that it says, is. I think that I believe says a is. lot. That's what we believe to happen, but you know, it, it it could be could be a change. And although it's not called a budget, I think when you're having this level of changes. Um, I, I think you know, it, once we start seeing legislation, and, and I suppose that's the next question, when will we actually start to see the detail of this and the legislation? Will that be you know, before November, hopefully for the NI changes because they're coming in in November, but uh, you know, we, will we, when will we start to see everything sort of actually set in stone and written down um, for, for the legislators to, to see? Um, and without wanting to be controversial, but I'll do it anyhow. Um, <laughs> if there is some sort of finance bill, then essentially it needs a lot of people like Rishi Sunak to approve it. And and, and, and we know, uh, obviously, he, he campaigned very much against some of these changes. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether actually the government can get this through this bill to, to implement the changes um and 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 who knows basically but uh, it, it it all will be absolutely fascinating to see what happens it really will on that just on that point we are going to get it's a medium term fiscal plan so it's been called yet another turn to get to grips on the 23rd of november so that was really providing details on the government's fiscal rules so they say but as claire said as we and as we saw through the pandemic you know you react to what's necessary um, so we should have to wait and see, but the plan is that, and the OBR will then publish their yeah. economic fiscal outlet, and then we'll have, as you say, a full fat budget in spring 2023, unless yeah. something else happens in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. I would say I just missed something really important out in that last bit on company stuff is that the arbitrage part is, you know, if you're an additional rate taxpayer, then it would, and you're thinking about paying a dividend, then it would be definitely worth waiting until next year to do that when you also get the benefit of a lower dividend tax rate so yeah that's something pretty obvious i should have mentioned earlier so i'll mention it now 
and 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 Tony, um, there there are a number of other changes, stamp duty, and something about bankers' bonuses. Uh, do you want to sort of cover the add-ons? Yeah, sort of add-ons. Just I'll do that relatively briefly. Yeah, the banker bonus point is really, you know, I think that got a lot of publicity, understandably so. I would say for financial advisors, this sounds really self-serving, but for financial advisors who have bankers who then get bonuses. And we've seen this year on year, you know, where do I invest? Oh, I've spent all I can. I can't buy another Ferrari or something. So they will need advice. So there is that point that comes out of it or Lamborghini or whatever is the car of choice. Um, We've got the another interesting bit, I think, that's come out is with the interest rates going as they are. There's periodic discussion around whether one could look at releasing money from your home by lifetime mortgage equity release to do it inheritance tax planning because you can't give away the home easily or drawing down from your home by lifetime mortgage instead of pension. Having done a rough back of fag packet type of calculation with the interest rates as they are, both of those plans don't look great because of the rolled up interest, even if it's fit, it looks pretty bad. So I'd say that those ideas come and go and largely they're, they're determined by interest rates. So just thought that was a, another throwaway bit. A bit we've been thinking about certainly within the business, uh, Marcia and Barbara and I have been discussing, and we still haven't got any outcome from that, just because there isn't one, as far as we know, is that will the trust rate of tax come down with the additional rate of tax? And it is fixed in different legislation, so it isn't anchored legislatively to the additional rate of tax. And that would apply to that additional dividend rate and the hard sort of 45% rate. So the expectation is that it will, but we don't know that it will yet. And I guess it's not top of the sort of things to do, the to-do list for the, the Treasury or HMRC at the moment. The ICAEW, we understand, are seeking to get clarification on that. So, that's so one Tony, of- I, uh, just on that point, there's there's many things in pensions that are we, ex- we, we don't know whether they'll change in exactly the same way. So the special lump sum death benefit charge, nice, easy thing to think about. So the 45% you pay on a lump sum into a trust after the age of 75 is based on that 45% rate but it is a written down 45 percent rate so we we haven't seen anything about that whether that will change because it's in line with that rate if that rate changes um on on trusts then uh, then we wait to see but we have seen plenty of things in historically where pensions things haven't changed in line with the introduction of the 45 percent rate or the 50 percent rate they've just kept things like the lifetime allowance charges that are factored in using the 40 percent so there's there's there's, as we say, there's precedent for things to be different, um, and which you know just means more things. I suspect that haven't been thought about in the the time and the short term of making these these changes. So that's just one thing that comes in on the pension side of that. If you didn't anticipate properly the uh, the impact on the pound with a big in- income tax change, then you're probably not going to think about the trust rate or the SDLT, are you? And I was really glad for. Initially, I went, oh, no, when you when you interjected, thinking you're going to say, Tony, it has been decided, the ICAW have just gone. But when you <laughs> actually explain what you're going to talk about, oh, God, I didn't miss it. Thank you for that. <laughs> but <great>. no. A <laughs> um, couple of other bits then. Uh, remember, of course, a very obvious point, though, but with all these tax rate changes that, you know, when you invest in a in the VCT, EIS, you know, you get your 30, it's a 30% credit not linked to any kind of tax rate. So that, as far as I know, hasn't changed. Um and then, and I just said, watch out for those investment zones and the rules around those, you know, providing, I think they're discussing it with up to 40 councils, 38 councils, and it will give 
you know, 100% business rates relief, 100% first year capital allowance, 0% national insurance on salaries up to £50,270, according to our bulletin, it provided you work 60% of your time in the. So there'll be interest in this. So even though you might not be sort of the one who introduces the investment scheme plan to your client, then it's just so important to be aware of these things. So you're not the advisor who goes, oh, I don't know how they work, basically. So And, and we'll be seeking, as, as Eddie said earlier, to cover this stuff as it emerges and as we get clarification on points like Claire's just mentioned through the TechLink bulletins. We see it as our responsibility. Um, just picking up on the tax-advantaged uh, investments, so that the sunset clause, which there is in uh, in there, which is the EU legislation, so they've said that they're going to to um, uh, extend that, and, and obviously they change the amount you can put into uh, seed EIS as well. So, really, um, really, that, really. so that's a sort of an, a, a, another way. So the, clearly, the work the the EIS association has been doing to to really um, expand that part of the marketplace has. Uh, has certainly uh, been productive. But just the um, point, Eddie, I mean, we've been talking a lot about, you know, upper end planning and additional rate tax and all that kind of stuff. But you know, with all of this change going on and this, the impact on your clients with the, a wide range of vulnerabilities, you know, and, and you far better than most know how wide that range could be. Do you see anything out of what's happened as a result of the growth chain plan that, that will change any of our thinking and, and more importantly, actions around that, that aspect of giving good financial advice? Um, obviously, there's been a, a, you know, it was a week of announcements. So we had the sort of announcements around the energy cap. Um, so, mm. you know, if you think about uh, uh, that goes up on the 1st of October, first, first, first and foremost, the thing that everyone's forgotten about the energy cap, <laughs> yeah. is it goes up first. So, so in the 1st of October, um, we're going up to 2,500 cap for an average house. Um, and, uh, you know, no one is, you know, who is the average house, basically. So there'll be some people who, who will be paying less and there'll be some people paying more. Um, but what we do know is a lot of people who who had a problem today will probably have a bigger problem when it goes up. And, and I think it's really important just to, you know, if you're talking to your clients, just recognise that, that that actually it is going to be an increase for 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 everyone uh unless you're on a fixed rate and and i think the number was like 13 percent of of the householders were actually on a fixed rate so the vast majority of people are on variable rates and and as from the first of october they are going up i think the obviously the the, the point that claire has made around national insurance um uh, you know that people are essentially 300 pound better off so that's positive um, the basic rate change. So if you are earning money and you're a base rate taxpayer and that basic rate change comes in, then then that's clearly a positive. And there have been some noises around increasing the personal allowance um, as, a, as, as the next wave of, of changes the Chancellor is thinking of, of doing. Um, those on benefits, there's been some changes to universal credit, um, but, but, but those changes are, are essentially tightening up the rules, making it slightly harder, making sure people are actually looking for work. Um, so, so those sort of things are, are you know, the, the amount of money you're getting doesn't seem to be changing, but the, the, the rules tightening up around it will. Um, there was quite an interesting uh, bit around, um, so people who are over 50, there's some additional support that's come in 
I think that's you know that's obviously really important if you're long term uh, un- unemployed and, and getting extra support and help. So that's a that's obviously going to be a real positive for for those um, individuals. I think I think I think overall, and this was something uh, I, I was uh, presenting at a session, talking to a, to a, to a number of advisors yesterday, and I think the the point that's really important is to be perfectly blunt, most individuals haven't got a clue what's going on. Um, it's incredibly opaque. Um, they're actually scared. Uh, you know, they're seeing noise around the pound, around interest rates, around energy. And I think a lot of people are quite frightened. Um, and I think if you come back to the, the value of advice, you know, everyone wants to talk about the value of advice around monetary I can save you X amount of tax, that type of thing. But I think the 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 the, the non-financial benefits of advice and reassurance, and in particular for vulnerable individuals, is incredibly important. And I and I would urge, and I'm sure you you you, you would support this, is that you can't spend enough time talking to your clients and and explaining what's happened and reassuring them where you can. Um, and I think that that really is a tremendous value of of advice and 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 I think around vulnerability as you've identified your vulnerable clients it's probably really important to spend a little bit of extra time trying to turn this opaque situation and make it a little bit more transparent for them because I think I think a lot of people and the people I've been speaking to who who aren't in the financial services profession I think they're really worried um about the current situation as as I think a number of people in the profession are but but I do think a number of uh, uh, the ordinary man or woman on the omnibus um, is really worried at the moment, and uh, and let's not forget that 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 uh, energy prices are actually going up on the on the on the first of October. I know there's a cap, but they've got to go up first before before uh, it's capped. Um, in 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 terms of, I'm just thinking around, you know, other calls to action. Um, uh, uh, Claire or Tony, to, you, you know, what, what do you think um, financial planners, from a tax planning point of view, what do you think should be the priorities? Do you want to do you want to go first, Claire? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think you know, it's uh, on the pension side of thing is is making full use of. Um, uh, the allowance is making full use of getting the tax relief. Um, it's worth noting, and I didn't mention it earlier, that um, those schemes that are relief at source, so those ones where you pay in and you get your 20% uplift, are going to keep that 20% next year. So there will be some people who are paying 19% tax and then putting it into their pension, they'll get 20% tax relief. That's just for the for the one year. Um, so utilising the those, those tax relief this year for the additional rate and even next year, for those people who can actually get slightly more tax back than they're paying into their pensions, if they can afford it. Obviously, when we're talking about the, the difficulties everyone's having, it's, um, it, it is something that people are looking at stepping out of. But as we know, if you can keep your pension contributions going, all that um, compound interest is really important in the long term for, for a good retirement. Um, just on touching on one thing that Tony mentioned earlier, when we're looking at our small business owners, then, um, as Tony likes to always say, my catch rate is pensions always win um, because they do when we're looking at that extracting your profits. But again, having a really good look at how they're taking their profits out. So they are making sure that um, they're getting the dividends at the lowest rate when they're taking those out in which year. 
where they're making sure they're getting their national insurance credits because if they don't take any salary, no national insurance credits, and then utilising the benefits um, if they've got cash in the business to make those pension contributions, again, at the right time, in the right way to, to ensure that they're getting all benefits from all three ways of extracting profit. So yeah, two things, just making sure you're, you're just utilising all those in the right way at the right time to be able to get those those benefits because they will change in the next few months and in the next year and in the year after. So it's not a simple one-off change. Thanks, Claire. And, and, and Tony, from your perspective, what would you would you say the sort of planner's focus should be? Yeah, I think I'd continue with the same theme as Claire and in a general sense say there is a real opportunity and perhaps a responsibility to have a, a sort of calm, this is the time really, to have a calm, informed discussion with your clients to do a kind of tax audit to just see how can we save you money? Because we're looking at, you know, how can we save you money on your energy bills? How can we... It's the same thing. It's a responsibility. And let's not think, oh, we can't talk about tax when all this other stuff's going on. Who's bothered about that? But it ends up being money saved or less money spent. So I think doing a, a kind of health check, really, on are we making the most of your allowances is even more important, arguably. We're not waiting for the tax year in. Do it now. And also incorporating into that that timing arbitrage thing. So, and it's even more important. Things are changing. So we can take action now or defer action, make decisions to defer action. I think that it's a really, as I said, a, an opportunity and arguably a responsibility and something that will end up enhancing the relationship, your relationship with your clients. They will see you were the one who came to me. They can decide to do it or not, but you, be the one who goes to them, be the one that sort of just improves your trust equation score effectively by saying, I'm the one who wants to help. That, that's the thing. I think it's what you do best, actually. Thank you so much to both of you. I, 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 I thought, um, you know, really brilliant points uh, were made. And, and I, you know, in, in the time that we've been going, we've covered just a, a massive amount of, uh, of detail. So thank you so much, Claire and Tony, for your, for your time today. And it's always great to, to catch up. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. Since recording, it has been announced that the proposed abolition of the 45% additional rate of tax will not now take place. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.